Just reading the comments. Brendan, what's in the box? It's not exactly what Brendan said. Brendan did say what the what the something else is in the box, but I'm being a little bit cautious about what I say now while I try and figure out why some of my videos have been uh, not available in restricted mode. I'll come back to that. I'll talk about that more. We will open the box as well. Yes, we're just wondering which side my address is on. It's that side. Uh, yeah, so we'll show this side. We will talk about the box in a moment because there's more to the box than just what's in the box. You'll see what I mean in a moment. Let's, uh, let's start with all the essentials. I've got a, to be honest, today's a bunch of random stuff, but it normally is a bunch of random stuff. Some of it might be interesting. Sponsor this week is Veronis. My uh, long-term, very beloved sponsor, because we have been together for so long. Salesforce for Veronis. Detect suspicious behavior and strengthen your Salesforce security posture. Try that one for free uh, whilst the Veronis page loads up. Again, a sponsor I've had for, for many, many, many years now. Sponsor, not just a sponsor, someone I've spent time with. It's nice to have spent time with them. I remember spending time with Veronis even in Israel. Israel, London, San Francisco. Places that come to mind. Veronis for Salesforce. Salesforce data protection built for security teams. Get a demo preventing data exfiltration and insider threats. One of the things I actually do very well, Veronis, is identifying where you have your data and who has access to it. And uh, casting my mind back to the days of being an enterprise, which fortunately uh, an increasingly distant memory, just figuring out what you had where and who had access to it was always a big problem. Rapidly right-sized Salesforce permissions and deploy in minutes without agents. Check them out. Veronis, thank you very much for being around again for what, what must be like the 30th week or something in total. So big thanks to those guys. Look at the comments. Who else here? Wayne's here. G'day, Wayne. Martin Tom, Tom, Tom Chipolsky. I haven't had any of this yet. We'll talk about this in a moment too. Tom Chipolsky. Um, Joel, mailbag time, says Trady Trev. Maybe we should just jump into that toner cartridge. It's much more interesting than toner cartridge. Let's pop it open. What is in the box? It's a very elongated box. Uh, this was actually waiting on my door when I got home just before, and it's um, it's not actually something I thought I would be buying until earlier this week. I'm pretty sure I can just chop this. What's in the box? It's really exciting. <laughs> oh, I lost the screws. There's a pack of screws. Uh, shit, I hope this one be right. There must be another bit. Oh, I see how it works. I see how it works. Okay. This is so exciting. <laughs> Actually, the least exciting thing I have ordered this week. Um, they're not like Wolverine hands or anything. These are a rail kit for the Synology NAS I bought and arrived this week. And I'll talk about the Synology NAS in a moment. Now, why do I need a rail kit for a rack-mounted device? Because this is the whole idea of having a rack-mounted device that you can mount it in the rack. So I bought the Synology rack station. So I have two Synology disk stations already. The disk stations are, they can be desk-mounted. I've got them sitting in a shelf in my rack at the moment. I'll talk about why I bought the Synology and what it does in just a moment. But I've bought it and I've pulled it out of the box 
and I'm reading the instructions, which is unusual for me, but I thought, you know, it's an expensive piece of gear, I'll read the instructions. And it's like, okay, so what's in the box? Uh, There's like two power cables because there's a redundant power supply, some bolts, a uh, the brackets to mount on the front of the rack station. Uh, but if you want to mount it in the rack, you have to buy the rail kit. Why is, why is it rack mounted, but it doesn't come with the stuff to mount it in the rack? And then these are like 70 bucks or something to go and get these. And then it's like $15 delivery. So I'm getting very close to $100 worth of pieces of metal to mount it in the rack, which, okay, it was like a $3,500 <laughs> NAS before the two... Western Digital Red Pro Discs. I did get the Pros. Someone was pushing me to get the Pros recently. It just, it seems cheap, Synology. It seems really cheap. Every other thing that I have mounted in the rack, all my Ubiquiti equipment, my uh, my Eaton UPS, they're all rack mounted and they come able to be mounted into the rack. But this did not. Anyway, that's really exciting, isn't it? Martin says, rack rails. Yep, <laughs> more exciting than Tona. <laughs> Brendan was quietly rooting for it to be Tona. Let's talk about things that are more exciting than Tona. It's getting warm again. It's actually been very cold here. Today was the equal coldest day I've ever had. It was about 6 degrees Celsius this morning. Uh, yesterday, 7 degrees. And I didn't realise how cold 7 degrees is until... Ari and I got up at five o'clock in the morning and went for a bike ride and realised that we needed gloves. That was cold. Oddly enough, the coldest I've ever been has been in some of the warmest places and the warmest I've ever been has been in the coldest places simply because when the weather is incommensurate to norms and like the places are not built for it. So for example, that the warmest I've ever been was in Oslo about three years ago in their summer when it was like a 30 degree day which is completely normal here but no air conditioning no fans uh designed to hold heat in so that's that's the problem where were we uh yes naz <laughs> so i was talking about naz's naz's you know what i mean the other day and i, I needed to have a it all began where I'm, I'm like running out of backup capacity so i had two synology uh, NAS devices, one would do all my media and stuff like that, and another one would do all the, the heavy-duty data, such as data breaches and things like that, which I don't want to put in the cloud. I want offline, off-site, uh, in my server rack. And I was running out of space to back them up to like these Western Digital books, so I was like, how am I going to fix my backup strategy? And I realised the best thing to do, based on feedback from the public, was to go and get a much more enterprise-level NAS device and then use the two Synologies I already had as uh, off-site rotational backup devices. So when I finish this process, after I can put it in the rack properly, instead of sitting it on top of my UPS like it is at the moment, I will be able to then take those other two drives, which is all the data is going onto the Synology rack station at the moment, and then each one of those will become a backup device and I'll rotate them off-site. Job done. The Synologies I got are... Two 18 terabyte Western Digital Red Pros, 18 terabytes. Every time I get discs for something like, I think the last time I bought big discs was for the UNVR for a, a Unify Protector Record onto, and I, they were like 12 terabytes. And I was like, holy shit, this is why my videos get flagged. Holy shit, <laughs> this is massive, like a 12 terabyte disc. 
and now they're 18 terabytes, uh, which is quite amazing. And of course, you can get bigger disks, but this is sort of the, the sweet spot I found of capacity and price. And then you get bigger and your sort of cost per gig tends to go up. So uh, look, pretty straightforward. Uh, basically, like slip the disks in. Uh, I can put some NVMe drives in there to act as a cache as well. I do have a couple of spare NVMe's in the cupboard. So maybe when I take this thing out in order to install the rails, I'll actually put the NVMe's in. And look, I mean, I think Synology as a NAS is just consistently does exactly what you expect it to do. Pretty user-friendly, easy to set up. Job done there. Now I'm going to share some other EOFY spending for those of you from other parts of the world. EOFY, end of financial year. As we get to the end of June, uh, our financial year ends on 30 June. New one starts 1st July. There is this, I, I guess there's a marketing push to spend your money now. I can't remember if I talked about it last week or not. I'm going to talk about some financial things today. But uh, the idea of end of financial year spending is not to go and spend money that you would not have spent otherwise because yes that reduces your tax bill but also you have less money but rather a dollar that i spend today i can deduct effectively 11 months earlier than a dollar that i spend next month Uh, so this will fall into the tax year now so legitimate spending that is necessary for the operation of the things that you do to earn income makes sense to spend just a little bit earlier so I'm going to talk more about some of the other things I've got in just a moment. Brendan says it's 10.4 down here in undisclosed Valley, Victoria. Now, I'm going to be in Victoria very soon. Uh, in fact, my next four weekly updates are going to be from uh, either Victoria or Tasmania. So there's, a, there's going to be a lot in other parts of the country there. Some of those places in Tasmania are actually below freezing at the moment. So that's going to be fun. In fact, some of those places in Victoria we're going to go very, very close to zero uh, at the cold time. But I think, uh, Brendan, for folks overseas, it's 5.20 in the afternoon at the moment. So 10.4 is quite chilly there. We are at uh, 16 here on the Gold Coast at the moment. Uh, Brendan says someone's probably made an adapter for disk station where you can just throw an Apple, said Apple wheels on it. Oh, they were the ones that were like $500, weren't they, for the wheels? Ah, uh, oh, yeah, because Trady, I've got to get an order here <laughs> Trady trips talking about wheels ah, note to self says Brendan blow a giant hole in the ground and call it redacted valley <laughs> Joel had 2.6 Celsius at 10.31 yesterday night uh, whereabouts was that Joel that was uh, that. well I was going to say it's not Queensland but we do have parts of Queensland that get below freezing somewhere like Warwick but definitely wasn't the Gold Coast Trader says, good luck getting a new vehicle at the moment. Those stupid prices. Yeah, everything um, everything vehicle-wise is very stupid prices at the moment. Uh, I, I like to look at the car sales app. I'll, I'll give you an example of how stupid prices are here at the moment. The things that people are trying on. Now, mind you, it only takes one person to go, yeah, that seems okay, uh, and a stupid try on price suddenly becomes something that makes kind of sense. Now, I'll give you a good example. There you go. A 2021 Mercedes-Benz AMG GT Black Series. Now, I do like the AMGs. I have a nice AMG. It is not an AMG Black. <laughs> uh, but an AMG GT Black. $1.795 million dollars. Someone wants for this. Now, that is a very limited number. I think we've got about 10 in Australia, but that is just stupid. 
That is just stupid. Wow, someone's actually got a, uh, oh, jeez. A 2022 Ferrari SF90 Spider, $1.5 bucks. Okay, super exotica, but I'll give you a good, I know I've gone way off topic here. A really good example of something much more mainstream, which I see around on the road every day that has just gotten really stupid, is a uh, G-Wagon. So, particularly an AMG G63 G-Wagon, half a million dollars for a G-Wagon. And it's got 10,500 kilometres on it. Here's another one. 469,500, 7,600 kilometres. It's just stupid. It is just stupid. Uh, but supply and demand. There is just not a lot of supply at the moment. And, of course, there is demand until our interest rates get high enough to drive the economy back down. But we will talk about interest rates very, very shortly because I think there's a good financial discussion to be had here. Uh, other things that were on the list of, uh, of items for end of financial year. I've shared a tweet thread the other day about the Raspberry Pi rack. In fact, the Raspberry Pi rack-mounted brackets, I guess. Uh, now, these are actually really, really cool. Now, these were sent to me by myelectronics.nl. Uh, they saw me tweet because I was asking if anyone had a, a good solution for rack-mounted pies. And, and the reason for this is it's basically just a little clean-up exercise. So I've got one Raspberry Pi for my pie hole, one Raspberry Pi for my home assistant automation, and uh, they were sitting on a shelf in the rack. Uh, and it's not that there's anything particularly wrong with that, but... It just wasn't really neat, and then the cables were coming out, and then they'd move around a bit on the rack when I opened the door. Uh, that's a cheap thing. So in my research, I did actually come across this particular company, My Electronics or NL, uh, and I saw the products, and I was like, this looks really cool, but NL, the Netherlands, is like literally the other side of the world, and I kind of moved on. And then they reached out, and they're like, hey, look, we ship everywhere in the world. Could we send you some sample units? And I was like, yeah, okay, fine, you can send me stuff. Uh, I'm going to be kind of honest about them, <laughs> if, if I like them or not like them. But they are super, super cool. In fact, it looks like their last tweet is them retweeting my tweet, where uh, they sent me like a pro unit, which is almost like an enclosed box that you can slide your pies into. Uh, and they've got space for the pie to, to pop out. And then they've got a little space for an adapter for the uh, HDMI. And they sent another one which is the one I actually ended up using, which is much simpler. That'll take five pies all next to each other. And then they've got blanks to either close off the slot altogether, uh, or you can you can have one that's got room to have the, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The SD port, not SD port, you idiot, HDMI port. I've ended up using that one, and I've got a photo of it here in my rack, where it's like blank, blank, uh, home assistant, space for the USB for my uh, Conby Zigbee dongle to pop out. And then I've got the pie hole next to it and then another blank. And I just put them there because they worked out in the perfect position to then uh, have the uh, Ethernet cables going into the switch. I put PoE hats on them as well. So these shipped with adapters to be able to perfectly fit my PoE hat and then mount it onto the, uh, the rack face, rack face, device that mounts into the rack. 
and it looks cool. It just it looks really, really slick, really, really clean, and I'm just happy with it. And it is a really cool product here, so send it for me for free. If I had have known that they shipped here, I would have gone and bought it before they sent it anyway, because this was the, exactly what I had in mind. So big thanks to them. Joel says, Gold Coast Hinterland, not far from Abena. That's where you're that cold. So as soon as you go into the Hinterland and the Gold Coast, being the mountains, the temperature drops very often like about five degrees. It drops really, really quickly. So Joel would know where this is, but if you're up in like... Mount Tambourine, <laughs> suddenly it's very chilly. Brenda says, Troy, I forgot to mention Martin's redact- uh, contextual message, Redacted Valley needs to be a real place. Huh? Is it a real place? Maybe it is. Brendan says, I mean, ah, we're still on the Redacted thing. Other spending, end of financial year spending. What did I put on my list here? I've got one of these right in front of me. Uh, let me see. Bose. I got some new Bose uh, noise cancelling headphones. Now, these are, I would say, uh, dollar for use, probably one of the best spends ever. Uh, in fact, these will be my third pair of Bose noise cancelling headphones. Now, I had the quite, I forget the quite comfort model. One of the earlier ones, they were very silver. I did a huge amount of my Pluralsight course editing with those. Pretty much any other editing I did was those. Every time I got on a plane, I'd usually have them on before I got on the plane and they'd barely leave my head until I got off. Uh, they were great. Uh, eventually got very, very shabby. Got QC35s. Uh, they're the ones that were all black. You would have probably seen them around. They got very popular. Used them really extensively. Uh, basically just wore them out to death doing all the same things. The 700s. Charlotte's had some of these for a while, but they look like this. So a little bit, little bit slicker. A uh, little touch area here for you to be able to like move tracks backwards and forwards, volume up and down, this sort of thing. They're built in with um, the, the likes of Alexa or Google, Google Home, Google whatever the voice assistant is that I don't use, <laughs> which is built in. Don't seem to be built in with Siri, which maybe doesn't matter because she's on my watch anyway. But these are a really, really nicely made unit uh, so these will get an extraordinarily large amount of use uh, every time i'm on an airplane which is not going to be for a little while yet but really uh, really good example of something i really needed anyway and i just brought that purchase forward just a little bit love the bose headphones okay what else is on here um Brandon's talking about cars for territory series isn't ridiculous. Well, of course, they don't make those anymore, but isn't ridiculous. 2011 model, 158,000K on the clock going for 14,900 is ridiculous. It does seem like a lot. Um, not exactly an AMG GT Black at uh, 1.5 million. Mind you, I'm pretty sure that was on there for 2 million a while ago. But it does seem like every single vehicle you can imagine uh, does carry a bit of a premium at the moment. Brandon says touch controls. Suck on headphones, changed my mind. Too early for me to tell. Um, My original gut feel when I put these on and started playing with them was I did miss the tactile buttons. I think there is a really good argument to be made for tactile controls. One of the reasons I'm less keen on the Tesla big display, and yes, I've driven a bunch of them, but maybe I need to live with one. I do like buttons I can touch and grab. But probably a bit different when you're in control of a motor vehicle and you're really going to be watching where you're going and you want to just be able to reach out and just have stuff easy to hand compared to sitting on a plane with your headphones on. Okay, 
So, other things. Other things. What is in here? Oh, yeah. I was holding this bottle of tequila before. I'm not entirely sure why I brought this up. Um, we were just out doing the shopping just before coming back here, and Charlotte said, oh, it'd be really nice to have margarita later. It feels like a warm weather thing. <laughs> it's, it's either a warm weather thing or a one of those weeks things. And we went to the bottle shop, and we were asking for this Australian tequila, and they weren't sure what we meant. Uh, and eventually we found this, which we've had before. This is Volando. Uh, now, it turns out, if you read it the right way, which is actually, they've got like the darkest color writing on a really dark label. But there's all these Australian logos over it. But it says Australian owned. And then if you read it, <laughs> God, it makes me feel old. It's like turn the light on on my phone and hold the bottle just the right way so you get the contrast just right. And it is, here we go. Something about Mexico. From the highlands of Mexico, emerges a sweet okay. Australian-owned company that grows I assume agave in Mexico I don't know if they bottle it here or what they do but anyway this is beautiful this is really 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 lovely there's uh, a lot of tequila that you wouldn't want to drink neat but this um, this is why my videos get banned it's not that I sit around drinking tequila straight out of the bottle but for something like a nice margarita anyway that was very nice we shall sample that shortly. I have definitely not been sampling it yet. The cap is still there. Now, on that topic, let's mix this up. So, <laughs> my videos. I tweeted this just before. Someone actually reached out and they said, um, we have to run YouTube in restricted mode, which is not something I'd given a lot of thought to before. I think I knew this was there, but I guess I normally think about it in the context of of child-friendly content but he said uh look a, a bunch of your videos don't show up in restricted mode and these are videos like this live live uh weekly updates and i was like wow this is really weird and I, I went and checked because you can go and put your own youtube into restricted mode uh having seen what happens when it is i don't recommend doing it but the last video that i actually had which is up here was um well, it's interesting. My, my breach disclosure blow-by-blow blow is there. That was a month ago. But then it's like weekly update 283, and today is 299. Going to be in Victoria for 300. That? And then before, two, before 283 was 281, and before that was 270. And I don't know what it is that's causing YouTube to somehow skip them. I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I said a naughty word or two <laughs> in some of them and uh, I actually went through the transcript of a recent one and searched for it and, and certainly the transcript which is automatic didn't have any of the naughty words in it and then someone said well maybe you're drinking beer and they, they cut out if you're drinking alcohol and I assume also that there's algorithms that do this it's the AI bot or something and so well if, if I was that would only be half of them at most because I do the other half in the morning when it's like coffee and uh, and also, I was only holding that bottle of tequila. I wasn't drinking it. So is it going to chop it? If you know what causes my videos to be excluded for people running in restricted mode, I would love to know the answer because there must be something that it's, uh, that it's picking up on. Now, having said that, I don't think it's a big problem because it's the first time I've ever heard it in years and years and years of doing these. Uh, so 
like sorry to the one person that's having trouble watching them, but it, I'm just curious. What is the answer? Trady Trev wants me to crack her open. I'll crack it open, but I'm not drinking it. <laughs> not like straight out of the bottle. <laughs> um, so the reason we ended up with this one is, you know what it's like. We're like wherever you are in the world, unless your drinking laws are completely different to Australia. You know, occasionally you'll you'll wander past your your local bottle shop, and there will be like a taste testing out the front. There's someone, some very nice uh, Margaret River wines the other day. And we walked past, I don't know, it must have been like 18 months ago or something, and they were doing these taste tests to tequila. And we're like, yeah, why not? <laughs> it's like, we're here. Ooh. Ooh, that's nice. We'll give it a go. And, uh, yeah, anyway, they had this tequila. And it was, it was lovely. This one. Ooh, is lovely. There you go. <laughs> it will, it will survive at least until the end of this video, before it gets sampled. <sighs> Martin says he agrees, has some buds and multi-touch isn't great. On full headphone is different, engineering and tactile is better. I, like, I can understand every time you put a button on something, there is more physical space that's required. Uh, I was going to say there's other things that can go wrong, but of course you go wrong with the touch area as well. The touch area, I imagine, is one large area as opposed to multiple different individual buttons. Makes me think how Apple sort of started to remove all the ports and things like headphone port and how much controversy there was over that. But uh, from a, a concept, I can understand why they want to get rid of the tactile things. Um now, Brendan says, am I the only one that's hearing the slightest bit of line noise? Now, Scott mentioned this last week, and I was thinking I should reset my computer before I do this again, because that fixed it last time. Resetting fixes everything. I have not reset it. So you, you might be right there. Uh, but then Martin says, no, it's just you. <laughs> so who knows? <sighs> what else is in here? Trady Trez says, I've made my video not for kids. doesn't restrict them. But all still public. No, it's it's um, it's the same with me. I don't flag it as targeted children. So yeah, I don't know why. Uh, and he still uh, swears and drinks and smokes on it. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jay Trips is not often you get uh, taste testing the good stuff. Yeah, this is, this is sort of one of those. I guess it's a more boutiquey sort of. This wasn't Dan Murphy's. Um, put it that way. Brennan tested positive for COVID this week. Uh, yeah, okay, that is a shame, obviously, but but in Australia, it seems like every second person is getting it at the moment. I think we're winning, actually. We seem to be winning, like, the per capita COVID uh, infection rate at the moment to the point where, uh, and maybe the Aussies will, will agree or disagree with me, but certainly around here, it just seems like people have stopped kind of caring about it. Um, maybe I've even had it and I didn't know it. I don't know. I did have a sniffle. A couple of weeks ago, but like that—that that was it. Uh, so, mate, may your may your COVID be as uneventful as Charlotte's and both our kids, uh, which was entirely non-eventful. Hopefully, that's just gone very, very quickly. Have a tequila, mate. Might help. <laughs> okay, uh, James says, are the new bows over ear or on? I end up getting the Sony's. I prefer them. That they do cover the ear. If, if I was to put these on, my ear should disappear within them they are wide enough for the ear to disappear within them i think yeah just it feels like just like if i had really really big ears maybe not but uh, no they they do 
well and truly cover my ears. Something else tech related, before I do something non-tech related. Uh, Apple Watch fall detection. So I shared this uh, on Saturday, actually, Saturday my time, just because I thought it was really, really cool. So I got up uh, very early on a Saturday morning. I do tend to get up early, often four or five o'clock. And both Charlotte and I had a text message from my father at 2.59 in the morning. And the text message says, hard fall, SOS. I called emergency services from this approximate location after Apple Watch detected a hard fall. You are receiving this message because I've listed you as an emergency contact. And then under that, there's a map, and I kind of redacted that a little bit, but there's a pin on mum and dad's house. And look, we, we weren't worried because it's like, okay, it's at their house uh it's middle of the night, it's false positive of some kind. And then I spoke to Dad a little bit later, asked after I knew he'd be up, and he said, look, he, um, he wouldn't normally have his watch on him in the middle of the night, be on the charger, because you've got to charge these things every day. But for reasons I can't even recall exactly, he was wearing his watch, got up to go to the toilet, uh, and he did trip over. Now, he was fine, he got back up, but it detected the fall. If you've got an Apple Watch and you've seen how this works, when it detects a fall, it starts beeping and giving you alerts. And I, and I know this because the number of times I've literally just jumped into the pool <laughs> and it's gone off because it's like it's smart, but it's not that smart. It can't really tell the difference between um, I've just had a crash on the wakeboard, happens a lot, versus I've just had a crash on a mountain bike and I'm actually properly hurt. So you can, of course, dismiss the alert, but if you don't dismiss it, i.e. you have been knocked out and you're actually hurt, uh, it does say, look, it's going to call emergency services and everything. Now, I have never seen this happen where it actually calls it myself, and I have never seen anyone else with it work. So this was the first time. So I was speaking to Dad, and he said, um, yeah, like he, he tripped over, and he, he said very shortly after, he got a phone call from emergency services, which I assume was... Is it like the opposite of calling triple O? Like triple O calls you? So if you're from, uh, let's say from the, U the US, that's like 911. Uh, so they called him and he's like, no, I'm fine. And they're like, okay, cool, thanks. And we then spent about the next six or seven hours <laughs> trying to figure out how to get it to stop continually sending me updates on his location because this is the other thing it does. So after it detects a fall, it obviously goes into like fall mode so that if someone is actually injured and let's say emergency services comes and gets them and they're taking them to hospital, it can tell the emergency contacts where they are. I thought, this is awesome. This is really cool because if it was legit, let's say he had fallen over uh, and mum wasn't there and emergency services came and he's unconscious and they've got him and they're taken to hospital, I would know. And I just thought, how, how cool is that, that mainstream consumer product you just put on, so long as you've got your emergency contacts on your phone, because that's where you set them, it all just works. It's amazing. Now, there was a, generally a lot of support for that, uh, a bunch of likes on this, this tweet. But then there are a few people like, yes, but then my grandmother fell over and it didn't capture it correctly. So, well, yeah, but this is the problem, right? Like, I get false positives. I'm sure you get false negatives as well, where when you, th and there's a, fun chat I like having, particularly with Ari now at 12 years old, we're talking a lot about tech. It's like, how do you reckon this works, mate? Like, what 
figures out if you've had a fall. Because you're not necessarily just mountain biking and the GPS can see that you're moving quickly. You know, Dad was inside. Uh, is it just the gyros? Is it just the gyros and you've got you've to like smack them with enough G that it actually picks it up? Or is there something else? Anyway, I think it is an amazing piece of technology, amazing time to be alive. Of course, it's only going to get better and more reliable. But I thought that was really neat. All right. Air rolls won't have to kill I will later. I promise. I'll tell you what, I will send you a photo. I'll send you a photo. I'll tweet a photo of the margarita that uh, Charlotte makes. She does make a lovely margarita. Uh, so that would be nice. Okay. Next thing on here. Now, this is completely non-tech related, but it just, it pissed me off. And I tweeted it. And then I got into arguments with people. <laughs> Some of these responses. (laughs) It has been a strange time in recent years because of the COVID situation. Um, Interest rates, which on the one hand sounds like the most boring thing ever. On the other hand, is actually something really, really important to understand. Now, I didn't actually put it in this thread, but I wrote uh, a blog post. I'll drop it into the tweet, into the tweet, into the live stream here. And what did I call it? Something like Troy Hunt Financial Tips. Um, I wrote this blog post. 31st of December 2018. Now, there's a bunch of stuff I didn't write at the time there, which was going on in my life. Uh, and it did, um, with the benefit of hindsight, it's made me actually realize how important this uh, this blog post was. Ten personal finance lessons for technology professionals. And it was, you know, very often I write blog posts like this to reflect and to get things straight in my own mind. And, uh, of course, also I'd like them to be useful for people. And it was very much around the things that, that I had done in life that had worked out well uh, financially. And uh, I'm happy with the way things have worked out. Let's put it that way. And a large part of this is like basic financial literacy. And when I say basic financial literacy, I mean like literally stuff that I'm talking to Ari at 12 about. You know, things like the cost of money. If you borrow money to buy a house, which many people, particularly in Australia, do. Australia is very, very much a... uh, they call it the great Australian dream, buying a house. Understanding the way things like interest rates work. And the way it works in Australia, and one thing I learned from this process is that it is a little bit different in different parts of the world. The way it generally works in Australia is you have either a fixed rate or a variable rate. And a fixed rate is fixed for a period of time. And this is one of the things I've learned seems to be quite different overseas. Now, someone in Australia is probably going to tell me I'm wrong and that there are other ways of doing it. Uh, And I've never actually had a fixed rate loan. In this blog post, I talk about buying uh, investment properties. I bought a lot of real estate when I was younger, which worked out real well. And everything was a variable rate, simply because I figured the banks will always give you a fixed rate at a point that they are confident enough that they will make money on. Uh, A variable rate, by its very nature, fluctuates. Fixed rates generally are fixed for a period of time. Uh, So I gave someone an example. If you go to Westpac at the moment, they'll give you, I think it was like 4.8% fixed for two years. What happens in two years? I don't know. (laughs) I have to see what the market does. 
but particularly variable rates by their very definition we expect to fluctuate. Now, we have had this period of absolute historically low interest rates. I remember my parents telling me about how in the 80s they were paying, give or take a couple of percent, about 20% a year. Now, I can't remember if it was about 18% or 22%. Same for Charlotte and her parents. They were paying ridiculous amounts of interest because that was the cost of money at the time. Now, by the time I came along and actually started buying some real estate in, it must have been about the mid-noughties, many of my interest rates were around about the 7 to 8%. Uh, now, that is a fairly sizable amount of interest. That's $7,000 on every $100,000 you borrow. Ari can do the maths on that. It's not hard. Now, I've got in this tweet, so, so this basically just related to a story. There's a story in the news about people being surprised and then put under some degree of duress now that interest rates have gone up. Because we had this period where the interest rates were... Yeah, seven or eight percent through most of the noughties. You're getting into the yeah. You know, we got to GFC and stuff's kind of dived a little bit, and then as we get into the 2010 to 2020 era, they gradually declined. And of course, as the whole COVID thing hit, they declined even more. And this is a little bit of a relief valve that the Reserve Bank of Australia has, where they can decide how much how much relief should we give the country in terms of trying to uh, alleviate financial duress versus how much do we need to put the handbrake on inflation. So particularly as we went to COVID, things really dived. Now, the interest rates in Australia are still a lot higher than other parts of the world. Uh, Charlotte has real estate in Norway, and her interest rate was like one point something percent. Our ones here in Australia, I think the lowest I got was still three something, but that's that is a f- tiny, tiny fraction of what I was paying years ago and a very, very tiny fraction of what my parents were paying when they were young. Now, inevitably, it has to rebound. And this is what's happening at the moment. The, the reason for this is that the second Tuesday of every month, the Reserve Bank of Australia meets and they decide what they're going to do with the uh, target cash rate. And the banks usually then either pass that rate cut on or pass that rate increase on. Not entirely one for one, but inevitably the interest rates went up. So we've gone up from what was a very, 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 very low. We did have a rate rise, I think it was last month as well, a quarter percent, half a percent this week. And then we've got this news headline here, opening story, Apple News. Sydney couple with $840,000 mortgage fear, quotes, difficult financial impact of interest rate rise. And what, what really got me is they say, that increase is quite shocking. I would not have assumed it would have gone up that much. So, okay, so it's gone up from the lowest we've ever seen to a tiny fraction higher than the lowest we've ever seen. If you're going and buying anything without the expectation of interest rates returning to where they have been for such a long period of time, like you're going to have a bad... You're going to be selling a place that's going to be really attractive for people like me to come along and buy because you've overcommitted. Now, they then descended after that much discussion from people around everything from, well, you're in a privileged position. So, well, only because I, I didn't borrow more than I could afford to begin with. It's like we all have a threshold. Everyone has a point at which their expenses will exceed what they can pay. And if you are surprised, and this is not like... Uh, 
the primary income earner unexpectedly got cancer and can no longer feed their family, uh, or their house got blown away by a cyclone or eaten by a crocodile or whatever that happens here. This was a very, 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 very small change that was so obvious has happened, and now they're under fire. How do you not see that coming? Well, the comments say. Brandon says, buying a house. What about buying an entire data center? <laughs> Trady says, I was always told an apprentice bricks and mortar, always a solid investment, told as an apprentice. I feel like this could... Maybe one time in the future we should do it. I was going to say, I feel like this could be an entire... Uh, Live weekly update one time. So, my view of it, now that I'm older and I have some experience and I've done this a few times, is that that the real estate market is a very good way of forcing people to save money. So, when people buy their own home, their own principal place of residence, whether they pay too much or the right amount or they get it a little bit under, when they do that and they hold on to it for a period of decades, they always manage to ride out the fluctuations to the point where the thing will appreciate because this is just what happens. You hold it for long enough. Generally speaking, I'm sure there's always exceptions, house getting eaten by the crocodile thing, uh, they will make money. And, of course, what happens is, is when you buy a house and you have a loan, usually it is a principal and interest loan. So they're paying an interest portion. This is your, you know, call it 4% odd at the moment. And they're paying down the principal. So it is forcing them to save money. Now, we have superannuation Australia. It's like a, uh, what is it, 401k in, in the US, a forced retirement saving. For many people, that's not enough to live on when they do retire. So by buying a house and forcing them to pay down the principal such that they get to the end of their working career and then they've really got no more debt left because most of your home loans are, call it, 30 years or something, by which time the principal's paid off. Uh, and then you're sitting on this thing which is appreciated in value and you've got your retirement savings and you know, you're not too much of a strain on the public sector. So that's good. Now, whether or not it's always a safe bet, <laughs> as Trady Trevor's put it, we've, we've certainly seen a lot of things, what do you say, uh, a solid investment. We've certainly seen a lot of cases where property has gone down. Um I have certainly bought real estate in the past, which has gone significantly down, particularly places that were bought new off the plan. And I've got a couple of places where I, um, I have to go and pull the figures again. But they dropped like 30% kind of thing, like extraordinarily large amounts. So you can certainly stuff it up is the point. Uh, but anyway, I think it's a really, really interesting area. area and as I sort of said in this thread, it's like it's, 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 a, it's a financial, what's the word I use? I used a really good term. I've forgotten it. Um, it's basically financial literacy. This is the thing you should teach your kids. I got some of it from my parents. I wish I'd got more of it. Maybe earlier events in my life would have been a little bit less stressful if I had. Uh, you'll read that in the book when it comes out. There's some stuff in the book about that. Trade Trevor, should I pour some coin into crypto? Seems it down at the moment. I'm not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice. This is a tip. I think um, arguably crypto is speculative. And that's not to say that you shouldn't have a foot in the speculative uh, camp. 
that you would want that to be money that you can lose. Um, I have some crypto by virtue of donations that have been given to me uh, predominantly in Bitcoin format for have I been pwned. My cost base on that is zero. I've never paid for it. Uh, I'm happy sitting it there. It's worth half what it was a few months ago. I don't mind leaving it there. Maybe if it goes up again, I will sell a quarter of it for argument's sake. So I don't think it's a bad idea to have a bit in there. I think, to be honest, one of the big things is, and, and Trady Truth, this is where I, I disagree slightly on the, the solid investment bit. For most people, certainly in Australia, the massive lion's share of their investment exposure is their house. Uh, when the property market goes down, and it does go down here, uh, as we've discussed before, when it goes down, they take a massive hit, which which they don't realize because they're not selling it. But certainly their on-paper hit is, is huge. And then they often have very, very little exposure in other markets uh, in, in terms of uh, equities through shares or managed funds or things like this. And then, of course, there's crypto and there's a gazillion other things you can invest in. And one of the consistent things that experts agree on is diversification. Uh, so I think having a little bit of crypto, if you can afford to lose it, is a great thing. And then hopefully you've you've got another foot and a bit of real estate and another foot and a bit of shares and other things like that. And maybe you buy some olive trees or some art or some gold or whatever it might be. Uh, diversification. Key. Should I do another session one day, which is purely not financial advice because I'm not a financial advisor, but things that I think make sense. Okay, last thing. One more government on Have I Been Pwned. I think I said this is the 33rd government, uh, which is Australia's closest neighbour. It's not New Zealand. Not only are they already on there, but they are not Australia's closest neighbour. Indonesia, which is very, very close once you get at the top end of Australia, is the 33rd government on board. Have I Been Pwned? Of course, on board doesn't mean that they've been pwned. It means that they can go and query their government domains via API uh, for free without limits uh, because I want to try and help them do a better job of protecting their citizens. So uh, big big congrats, I guess, <laughs> to Indonesia for being on Have I Been Pwned. Uh, and it's nice to work with those folks. They have the Indonesian National Cert, which is under the inter international, which is under the National Cyber and Crypto Agency. Crypto again. So good on Indonesia for joining in there. And I think that pretty much brings us to the end. Now, as I said, starting next week, these will all be remote sessions. I will be... I'll be next week. Maybe even do this in the morning. I will see. I could do it in the morning from another location. Actually, New South Wales, if I do it in the morning next week. Uh, we will be doing a, uh, a bunch of traveling, a bunch of driving. I'm going to share some pics and things of that um, as we go through. Trev appreciates the honesty there. <laughs> Maybe that's about the crypto. And seriously, do drop me comments or send me a DM or a tweet or something like that if you think we should do something that's just around the money side of things. Um, at, at some point in the future, uh, I would like to do that. I just think it's something that is enormously important. It can be boring as batshit, but it can be really interesting. And it's, uh, it's something that we we all can probably have a better grasp on. Have an awesome weekend wherever you are in the world and I'll see you uh, next week from somewhere further south.